0: yee Y'all want a date with an international model? Well, Hillbilly Horror Show is going to make it happen. Oh, right. That's right, we're having ourselves a contest. And the winner gets an all-expense-paid trip to Hollywood and a date with international swimsuit model and star of Hillbilly Horror Show actress Rachel Faulkner.
1: You are going to make some guys so happy.
0: Head on over to hillbillyhorrorshow.com for details and be sure to catch Hillbilly Horror Show Volume 2 on DVD February 17th.
1: Hello everyone, this is Scott Geider, a.k.a. Gruesome Herzog, and the character of Cephas from the Hillbilly Horror Show. Hello everyone, this is Scott Geider with my co-host Joanne Thomas. Our special guest is actor Bill Oberst Jr. to talk about the Lon Chaney Award that he won at the 2014 Fantastic Horror Film Festival. And also, there's much more. Thanks for listening.
2: It was an award that Fantastic Horror Film Festival created, and it's called the Lon Cheney Award for Outstanding Excellence in Independent Horror Film. And um, so I received this award from the Fantastic Horror Film Festival, and uh, I really did lose my cookies because I, I don't know if modern, if, if people who grow up today can understand what it was like, um, you know, to grow up in the 70s when we couldn't just watch any old movie that we wanted to. You couldn't just say, oh, I'd like to see this movie from 1922 and it's
1: on YouTube.
2: Instead, we had to rely on things like Famous Monsters Magazine and Fangoria. And that's where I learned about a guy named Lon Chaney. And, um, of course, we couldn't watch silent films. They weren't available. They weren't shown on television by then. And all you could do is order 8-millimeter clips from silent films. So I remember vividly getting my dad's projector, and I got these little clips of Lon Chaney films, including one from Phantom of the Opera. And I was absolutely mesmerized, and I never would have known that he existed had it not been for wonderful editors of these magazines like Forrest J. Ackerman. Um, so that was my formative years. That was my introduction into horror. So to be there at this festival, and to be with Lon Chaney Jr.'s grandson, Ron Chaney, Talking to him outside, and I, I, I knew I recognized him because I'd seen him in um, Curse of the Wolfman, a movie that he did, paying homage to the werewolf movies. And uh, I said, "You're Ron Chaney, aren't you?" He said, "Well, yes, I am." And I was looking, at I was thinking, "Oh my God, I'm talking to a Chaney. This is,
1: <laughs> this
2: is really crazy. I'm talking to a Chaney." And uh, and I said, "Well, I would really love to get an autograph from you later on." And he said, "Okay, well, I'll be here." And then. Lo and behold, they call him up, and then he calls me up and presents an award, and uh, it, was, um, it was really special. I mean, this is a very cynical business, and people are like, oh, I, I love this, blah, blah, blah. It's so full of bullshit. I'm considerably more cynical than I was when you first interviewed me, Scott. <laughs> but, but this was a real moment, and it really touched my heart, and um, I can never express my thanks enough to the festival for doing it.
3: Well, it was our, it was our pleasure, believe me. Thank you. And it was great to to know that almost everyone in the room knew about the award except you.
2: So show business people can keep a secret occasionally.
3: And and what was really funny is I expected you not to come to the festival until Matt said he will be there. Because Matt already knew all this was going on.
2: I I had a shoot and so I drove. (laughs) I got there just in time. I changed clothes in the parking lot (laughs) into my little Italian suit. In in the back seat and uh, walk down there, and I'm so glad I did.
3: Well, so are we. And now I guess we should kind of move on from that. Um, I've been looking at all the things that you have in post production, and you are still saying too damn busy. Don't I you know? Don't you ever take a vacation?
2: No, I'm afraid to. It's a it's a disease. But then. Acting itself is a personality defect disguised as a profession.
3: (laughs) You think so? Oh,
2: I'm totally, absolutely. Actors are the most messed up people in the world, mentally, emotionally.
3: Yeah, I kind of know that because I know quite a few now.
2: (laughs) Why else would you do this, you know? Why else would you do this? But So, yeah, I do try to keep working because I don't really think anything I do is, is... that I'm good in it. And so I'm always thinking, okay, i got to do another one because they're not going to like that. And so then there will be another one right around the corner. So, yeah, um, it's that sort of fear of rejection. I just keep working.
3: Well, I had heard a little bit about uh, 120 over 80, and I see that it's now in post-production. So could you tell us a little bit about that one? You know what,
2: Joanne, that one might be good. Now, I don't mean the movie might be good. I mean my performance in it might be okay because we filmed it in Tampa and it was 110 degrees every day and I'm, I'm, I'm playing a guy who has extreme high blood pressure in Tampa and his doctor tells him, you've got to do something to get your blood pressure down, relieve the stress in your life and he starts killing people and his blood pressure keeps going down and the doctor says, I don't know what you're doing but keep doing it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it, was, it was a comedy. It's like a black comedy yeah, uh, Mark Savage, great, really, really quirky, wonderful director from Australia did it. And I'm kind of hopeful for that movie. It's, it's in post-production, and Mark moves pretty fast. He might have it out by this summer. I really enjoyed that role, and it was hot as hell. We were all about to faint, and that kind of stuff, it shows up on film. Like, you can't fake it. If you're really uncomfortable, it usually makes for a better movie.
1: How about Feast or Famine?
2: Easter Famine. You know, it's funny when you say titles, I have to stop and think which one was that. But I remember it. <laughs> it's a post-apocalyptic story uh, and a very clever one. And um, and I don't know where that stands in post-production. I usually don't bother people to a year has gone by. If a year goes by and I haven't heard,
3: then I'll say, hey, how about that movie? <laughs> What's going on, Right. <laughs> well, I hear you just rapped on the chair.
2: I did, uh, and the chair, of course, stands for the electric chair, and for your listeners, it's based on a graphic novel and by Peter Cimetti, Alternative Comics, and it's a story of a man who's in on death row waiting to go to the electric chair, and he has a strange relationship with the warden, a familial relationship with the warden, and uh, it all goes downhill. And that was a really, really fun film to do, because I got to work with uh, Zach from Gremlins, and I got to work with Noah Hathaway from NeverEnding Story and Rowdy Roddy Piper and Ezra Buzzington and a lot of people I really respected. Plus, I got to be electrocuted, and it was, it was really fun.
3: <laughs> it was fun.
2: <laughs> you know what, Joanne? That's the Okay, there's the neurotic part of this profession, but the fun part is you play all human experiences, and most of them are on YouTube. So I wanted to know, like, And um, unfortunately, there are a lot of real execution videos on YouTube, so I see everybody now Googling for them. So, uh, yeah, I spent the night before filming that scene looking to see what it really looks like when people are executed and mimicking that behavior. And there's a part of that that's disturbed, but another part of it for a horror kid that's like, this is really cool. Well, nobody's tried to kill me yet. (laughs) No, you haven't been killed on film. You need to be in a film, Joanne.
3: I Actually, I went to – I was an extra in a film. Just recently. Oh,
2: good. What was it?
3: it? It was a film with Julia Roberts, but I was in. The, it was a scene with the uh, horse races. Awesome. Nobody saw. Nobody's going to see me in it. I it was, you know, I'm just part of the crowd. But I said, "What the hell?" I had a friend that took that went, and she and I went and just had a good time for the whole day.
2: Well, Scott's acting now, so all three of us should be in something together.
3: There you <laughs> go. <laughs> So so you can kill me, right?
2: or you could kill me it does I don't have to kill you. It's completely optional
3: oh well, i yeah, but see I'm not the murderous type. Maybe you kill me, I seem to be dead, I come
2: back, I try to kill you. It seems that you're dead, but Scott kills us
3: both. <laughs> hey, there
2: you go <laughs> but then wait, there's a twist, you know there's always a twist
3: a plot twist, okay, yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, what about impure? I hear the two of you are in that one.
2: Yeah, and pure. I, I was just talking to Matt today about that, and I he's going to – Matt's a producer on that. Matt Chasen is my manager, for those who are listening, and he's a producer on it. And I think they have just secured David Roundtree to direct it, who did the film Cut. is yes. well, assistant director, on. yeah. And yeah. That's, that's, that's going to happen sometime this spring. We'll be filming that late this spring. I know it's weird for people who listen to these shows because all of these movies seem to only exist online – because IMBD lists things months and months and months before they actually go into production. Yeah. But eventually, they all become real.
3: Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to this one. Too bad I can't come to Pennsylvania.
2: <laughs> for which one?
3: For Impure. Watch you guys work.
2: Oh, is that where they're shooting? In, in Pennsylvania?
3: Yeah, I believe so. Near Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. isn't it?
1: Oh, you know yeah, it's, like a fo- it's like a 45-minute drive for me.
2: You know more than I do. <laughs>
1: when they shot the trailer for it, for, for Indiegogo, uh, I got my nephew involved in this in the he's, you can see him in the trailer he's the uh, you know the kids in the classroom and a funny story about this um he didn't know much about he's 14 so he didn't know much about the acting thing i mean he knew what his uncle did and he loves his uncle you know you know how that thing is he wants to do it on, and i can remember taking him to that and the way home all he talked about is i got the bug so what do you mean he goes, i want to do more i love it I want to do more, and the kids, the, the, the kid's brilliant. He's smart, and I know he can knock. He can pick up on that real quick. But just doing that trailer for Impure, he was just so he's so hooked into the acting bug now. So I said, hey, if you like it, pursue your dreams. I mean, you have your uncle, you have other people. You know, just you know, float off their wings. I mean, use you know, use them to go forward. That's that's how this business works. You know, I help you, and you help me. You know. Billy, yes. you know how it is. That's how it works. Yeah, that's true. That's yes. how it's supposed to work, mm-hmm. anyways.
3: So what's going on with the uh, thing with Tanya, the raw meat thing?
2: Tanya Atomic, uh, and again, I, I, I keep you know I think of listeners who don't know who these well, people is. are, so that, <laughs> you know. that's why I'm saying Tanya Atomic is a, a filmmaker. You can Google her, and you'll find some very strange and bizarre stuff that she's done, and wonderful stuff. And uh, and Tanya came up with an idea for a killer who had been skinned but he was still alive. And which I just think is a fabulous idea and I sent her some pictures from the bodies exhibits, you know, the people who've uh, the exhibits of the human beings with the skins removed. Mm-hmm. And and I just love the idea of one of those walking around vengefully, you know, a really angry skinless person. And then wow. she made it even better because she decided that he was skinned alive. He works at a fish cannery and uh, he, some of his coworkers skinned him alive as a prank and he lived and his fiance just because he no longer has skin she dropped him so he really hates his pet peeve is people in love he can't stand lovey-dovey couples so the idea of a oozing skinless killer who hates lovey-dovey couples really appeals to me <laughs> so this was going to be a short film, and now Tanya's decided to try to turn it into a feature, and, uh, and she's got it up online. I really hope that one happens.
3: Hmm. And I sounds interesting. And I see they still have Squeal out there. Hasn't that been on IMDb like forever?
2: Yeah, a lot of them are on IMDb forever. It's really hard to, you know, to raise the money to make a movie. Which brings me to a point, and I would like to ask your listeners to think about this and you know I mean people interact with your show they have there's like a Facebook page Mm
1: -hmm.
2: okay so maybe some of the listeners think about this and and respond I tried to run a poll on this on my page and it quickly turned into invective so I just took down the post but it's the issue of uh, piracy or if you want to phrase it neutrally of downloading movies from the internet Uh, because The reason that it's so hard to raise money for movies is because movies aren't making money anymore, except for the blockbusters. And the reason they don't make money anymore is because people are downloading them and watching them, and then they write to the actors and say, wow, I really loved you and blah, blah, blah. And what you want to say is, hey, Sue, that's great. I'm really glad that you loved the movie, and thank you for your kind words about my work in it. You do realize, Sue, that very soon... I won't be working and neither will anyone else in the movie that you just watched because the purpose of the movie was to make money, which is what paid my salary. And they won't be able to make another movie because of what you did. But you know what, Sue? I'm so happy that you saved 3 It's great. That's what I want to say. But instead I have to, you know, say, wow, great, fantastic. Explanation point. Happy hearts and t- teddy bears. But this is a real problem. And the problem is not just that people are doing it. It's that they don't see anything wrong with doing it.
3: I think it's pretty sad. I, I Actually, I have watched a lot of your movies. And I've paid for every single one of them.
2: <laughs> I pay for my own sometimes. If I don't get a copy of it, I pay $3.99. Yeah. But, it, but it's, it's the idea that... And it's a generational thing, I'm sure, because when I was a kid, if we stole, we got our asses whipped, and we had to go back and return the item. I've been there. It was a huge big deal. It was a big deal.
1: Well, Bill, I'm going to take it one step farther, Bill. I know for a fact that there's reviewers out here right now that will download the movie from a torrent site and then turn around and say, oh, yeah, I got it from a distributor. And trust me. Um, I scan the torrents every now and then just to see, uh, not to download, but to see when somebody reviews a film that I did not hear of, yes. I would look, and there it is on the torrent site.
2: Sure. Um, and, and I, it, mean,
1: I, I mean, it's never going to be stopped. I mean, kick-ass kick torrents was taken down. It's back up again.
2: But if... If it's never stopped, our industry dies. There's no way around it because I've been involved in too many movies where people put everything on the line to make a movie that was marketable. And it really should have made money because people were digging it. But the day that it gets ripped, that very day, sales die. You can no longer sell it overseas. Your reviews come to a halt. And mm-hmm. on IMBD, you suddenly have people giving you a 1, lots of people giving you a 1 no matter what the movie is. So they steal it, rate you down and destroy the financial future of the movie. Now, I posted this on Facebook and so I got a responses like, well, if you can't raise money for your movie, then you shouldn't make a movie. But this this is capitalism. If I have an
1: yeah. I, yeah, if
2: I got an idea, I should be able to raise money and risk capital on my investment. But if there's no potential return on the investment ever again, because we can't stop this, no one will invest in movies. And consequently, there won't be any movies except two kinds, the blockbusters and pretty much home movies that people make with a little DVD in their backyard. I don't know what to do.
1: We well, you know, Bill, that's two, that's, one, that's two things. And if I get foul mouth, that's just the way it is. There's two things that irritates the fuck out of me is what you just said. What that person said, and the thing that pisses me off the most, that's the worst movie I have ever seen. It's highly impossible that you ever, and, and, you know, I would go even farther than that, Bill. More than likely, the person who's saying that movie's shitty and terrible and whatever, they freaking downloaded it for free anyways. Yes. So, if you're not going to pay for something, then don't bitch about it. Yeah, it's just, it's my, Bill. It's ongoing. We had this conversation quite a few years ago about the same topic, you know. And people think, uh, like you said, uh, if you ain't got enough money to make a film, then don't make it. Well, you know what? There's a lot of films that didn't spend very much money on, and they made a ton.
3: Well,
2: you know, and,
1: it's,
2: and I wonder if you know I'm a big Disney fan. I'm a huge Disney freak. I love Disney World. I love all things Disney. Walt Disney would not have existed in this market because he made very, very small productions, and you know he created Mickey Mouse. Well, he's got to make the money back yep. for Mickey Mouse before he can then go ahead. It took him years and years of profits from Mickey Mouse to try to make Snow White, and even then he went into debt. It's a risky business, but what we've done is we've eliminated the possibility of making money, and it's because of, I don't know if it's selfishness, um, moral blindness. I don't understand why when you take something that doesn't belong to you, something inside you doesn't say, this is wrong. And then to write to the actor and say, I really loved you. I just got this site from Blah Blah Torrance. I got your film from Blah Blah Torrance, and you were great in it. Oh my
1: God. I did it all
2: the time.
1: You're kidding me. No, right? it's
2: very, very frequent. <coughs> and and so, this, they don't see anything wrong with it because they've just been raised where if content is online then it must be mine.
1: I take it.
3: <laughs> I, wow. Well, the music industry just went through all that for a long time too. Yeah. And it's it's not going I don't think it's going to go away right away. And I find well, I find that even with like the film festival, first of all people people we are <clears throat> okay, our goal is to get all these new films on the big screen so people can come and see them the way they're supposed to be seen. Yes. And yet people don't want to pay.
2: No, of course they don't.
3: I mean, I have, I have filmmakers who get in touch with me and want to put, have their film in our festival for free. Can't do it because it is a business. Sure and if it is. I, and, if I, and if I can't make some kind of money, if I'm losing my ass every year and I've invested our whole retirement in this festival... Yes then I can't I can't survive well, and that's that's really kind of the sad part about the whole industry. but I will say this horror people are great. They're a family, they have their problems, but they are the best people to hang out with.
2: I find them to be so too
1: Well there's another issue as well Bill, and I don't know how you feel my opinion on this, but being as a reviewer, you know it's one thing to buy a film. And have it for my collection, but I've had filmmakers actually want me to buy their film to review. Now, mind you, it costs me for electricity, it costs me for cable, it costs me for the internet. I mean, that's one thing. I'm sorry, I will not. I will not buy a movie to review. I don't care if it's two dollars, three dollars, or four dollars. If you you might disagree with that, but what am I getting out of it then? You no, know I, mean? I, don't,
2: it's, I, that, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's a, a proper practice. It's so easy to put it up on uh, Vimeo. You can put a watermark screener up on Vimeo. You know, it exactly. takes a couple hours to upload it, and then just give you the password.
1: Yeah, I was as flabbergasted when I got four of them. <laughs> no, not going to happen. I mean, it's one thing if it's one thing if it's an actual copy. I'm not paying for no damn screener. You know, what I mean, not when it's not even finished. You know, you know, it's it's a, a double edged sword, Bill. I mean, there's nothing. There's, you know, it's just a way the. it's sad, but, you know, hopefully that uh, it doesn't destroy the film industry because of the torrents and the downloads. And I, I'm i just blown away, Bill, how that person's going to tell you, oh, yeah, I found it on a t- What? Well, what planet are you from?
2: The big blockbusters, I think I have read industry people say that it actually helps the big blockbusters because it's more exposure for the film which people can then go by easily go to the theaters and see because usually it's ripped while it's still in theaters but for us who don't go to theaters you know like my movie Deadly Revisions which people have written some nice things about when it comes out it's likely not going into theaters it's going to go VOD DVD maybe it'll get a cable TV deal right and if before any of that can happen if it's been ripped you're not helping the film by giving it more exposure. You're, you're damaging it. You're destroying it. You're making it impossible for that filmmaker to make a follow-up. And then you'll bitch about the declining quality of films. So I don't know. It's very different. You know, I'm looking at the Lon Chaney Award right now. Chaney made 100 mediocre movies before he made The Miracle Man, which was his big sort of breakthrough. Right. And that was during the studio system. So he was a contract player for different studios today you know there there's no studio system. The equivalent would be a guy making independent movies, a hundred mediocre movies where he makes this big one. I don't know if Cheney could have hung in there to make the yeah, 100 right. movies
1: but you you did bring up a good point about Disney. Disney would never even survive if it started as today no. And you're right, because back then there wasn't internet, there wasn't this, and it's something to think about. I mean, how technology has come a long way, and it's a good thing, and it's also a bad thing. Because now we have everybody who thinks they can be a reviewer, and I mean, now it's catapulted to probably uh, 7 million people trying to do their things, but... Out of the, okay, we we'll, would we'll do a reasonable number. Let's say 7,000 reviewers, okay? Out of those 7,000 reviewers, I'll probably say like 5,000 of them are downloading torrents and then reviewing the damn things. It's sad. It really is. And, and, and to bash it yet is even the worst. You bash a film that you downloaded for free. Seriously.
2: Yeah, yeah. you know, Scott, you're right. I mean, people can say what they want about a film. You know, if you don't like it, totally say that you right. don't like it and say why. But, but if you sold it,
1: It doesn't make sense. I
2: keep using the word "stole," and it's a generational thing because when I talk to people who are significantly younger than me, they do not see this as stealing, and they think the word "stealing" is an archaic word. Because I've had many people tell me, "You know, Bill, you got to get with it," because a digital copy is not theft. That's just making a digital copy. But
3: but it's intellectual property.
2: Well, the whole concept of intellectual property, Joanne. I've also heard challenged by – I'm not knocking a generation, but many people who are significantly younger than me have said there shouldn't even be international property. When artists create art, it's out there. And if people want to take it, they take it. That's what art is.
1: Do you remember on last year that these filmmakers are making short films for the uh, ABCs of death? I'm sure you've seen that all over the internet. Yeah, yeah,
2: I was in a couple of them, yeah.
1: Okay. And they weren't picked, right? That's right. Okay. I've never ever bought something that I was so angry that I shattered the thing in 60 million pieces and threw it in the freaking trash can. ABC's of Death, part two, I reviewed it and I gave it a one. I've never done that. I was so PO'd at the fucking garbage (coughs) shit that they put... Four of them were good. The rest of them you know damn well that it's their buddy making the film, and they were stupid. I couldn't understand of all the films that I've seen that, oh, yeah, watch this film and judge it, and, and it was all for nothing. That was all a complete fucking joke, Bill. That was None of them films were ever going to be selected for the ABCs of death. It was just a gimmick. that Because that, that, the films they picked were freaking garbage, Bill. Uh... <laughs> I couldn't believe what I... I was so angry. I've never been so angry of that garbage. Oh, my... They wasted the filmmaker's time. I was so pissed off, Bill. I was so angry. I'm sorry. The garbage... I've never seen garbage in my life. (laughs) It makes no sense. Oh, man. They were stupid. Head games. You have two cartoons of two heads together. That's all it was for five minutes. Oh, oh man! So I'm getting an aneurysm. I don't get that way, but I was so angry how they can waste a filmmaker's time when it was a joke in the beginning because none of the films were going to get picked anyways. They were all selected before it even thing even even did it. It had to have been. But I'm sorry, I'm rambling. But it pissed me <laughs> off so. I've you know people that I know personally, films that you're in, Bill, or or the things that I've. And to a final product. Now, mind you, the first two are pretty good. Must admit, but C on a D on through. I forced myself for two hours to watch that garbage, <laughs> hoping that something would be good, but it wasn't. Total, total disgrace to the independent film circuit. Total disgrace.
3: Well, well I I voted, I voted for Bill's film, so <laughs> they didn't total they discra- didn't listen to me either. <laughs> And you I didn't.
1: I didn't you. see it, so I'll. Uh, I'll you don't want to it. so, because it'll piss you off, Bill. I'm telling you, it'll piss you off. You think torrents are bad? Which they are. You watch that; it's going to totally piss you off. You're going to say, "What the hell are they talking? What? Oh. It didn't make it." Oh my goodness gracious! I'm sorry. Well,
2: <laughs> I get I get uh, pissed off enough watching my own performances, so I don't think I need to be more pissed off. Enough.
3: That's because that's because you're your own worst critic
2: yeah it's, and you have to be because if you ever watch it and say hey i'm pretty good you're really sunk
1: i, I hate myself too bill so don't feel bad that's
2: good yeah a little so there's nothing wrong garrison keeler said that he said shame and self-loathing is what made this country great
1: <laughs> I and i would not. add i
2: would add to that a little more church going a little more ass whipping this country would be a better place that was my grandfather used to say that
1: Well, that's funny you said that, because I can remember, for instance, people in my family are watching that short film that I did, which I was nominated for Best Supporting Comedy Actor. How about that, Joanne? Didn't know that until I seen an article on the internet. But um, I'm serious. What the hell? Oh, cool. But anyways, um, family members watching it, and they're going, man, that's great. You did a good job. I love it. And I'm thinking, I fucking hate it. Because I... I mean, I mean, I'm a, I'm a worst critic. I am. I, I'm never going to be happy. I mean, it's just a way. That, I mean, if you're not that way, then you're you're a self-centered, egotistical jackass. If you think everything you do is,
2: I'm the best. I'm well, the best. you do enough movies, you better get a thick skin. Anyway, I remember doing one, and Amen. I did one, uh, and my dad called me, and he rarely watches my stuff. He'll watch a. Uh, for instance, he, uh, he watched uh, a Hallmark Channel movie I did, The Shunning, which is one of the highest quality things that I've done. And, uh, you know, I watched your movie. I said, what do you think, Dad? He said, that's oh, better than the crap you've been doing.
0: Right? <laughs> oh, my God. And then there, was
2: this, uh, there, was, there was another film that I did, a low budget, when he happened to put it on Netflix. He said, Billy. I said, hey, Daddy. He said, what? And he named the movie, and he said, what the hell is this? I said, well, "It's a movie, Dad? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: he said, "What's what's wrong with your mustache?" I said, "Well, Dad, it was <laughs> low budget film and make, oh,
3: it's, it's makeup. Princess what, makeup
2: wasn't always on set, and so sometimes it's a uh, you know little cattywampus there."
0: <laughs> oh.
2: He said, "If I couldn't," he, and my father said, "If I couldn't do no better than that, I believe I'd just wash floors for a living." <laughs> and I said, "Well, you know, well, Dad, that's you know it's low budget." So yeah, you gotta you gotta have a thick skin and be able to roll with the funny. punches and not take anything Dude. personally. You do thick skin? you Dude. do know
3: that I don't listen to any of my interviews, right? Yeah, it's
2: probably good because I don't watch a lot of my stuff. <laughs> I have to listen because I edit it myself.
3: Well, but but I, I, uh, everybody says I do fine, but I just can't I just can't bear it.
2: <laughs> I think you do more than more than fine. You're not profane. You speak in full sentences. You phrase your thoughts well. <laughs> No, and you can't say that for a lot of of, of podcasters, you know, to speak in full sentences is, is in and of itself
3: something special. Well, thank you. <laughs> although although I've heard it been said that I don't speak enough on the ones between with me and Scott, except for the fact that I laugh a lot and that makes it all worth it. <laughs>
1: You do have a good laugh. See? I said the same thing. It's cute. (laughs) Cute? It is. I like getting her wound up and she really starts laughing. It's impish. It's an impish laugh.
3: Well, Bill, I know that you have to get back to work. Oh, guess what? Michael J.W. Thomas has just appeared at the door. Would Would you like to say hello?
2: I would very much like to, yeah.
3: Okay, hold on. Hello,
2: Bill and Scott. Mike, it's been a wide-ranging conversation. I'm sorry that you've missed it. Oh,
0: well, I'll catch the rerun. Mm. Too long, too long in to between, Mike.
2: Definitely, it's very sad about uh, Lynn Nimoy and Harv Bennett, wasn't it? Well, talk about a double whammy. I know, just a couple one week apart. No, yeah. but I thought I thought about you when both of those things happened, because I thought, you know, I'll when I, I remember when I was in college, I thought well, I'll be—I know I'll be getting old when the Star Trek crew starts to die.
1: And mm-hmm. Now there aren't too many
2: of them left.
0: There was a cartoon that I saw uh, on, on the internet. You remember that iconic uh, restaurant uh, painting where they're at a diner and they're sitting around a diner and everything. Shatner was sitting there, and there was nobody else there.
2: Night diner. Yes. Oh, that's a
0: great—that's
2: a great idea, Shatner by himself, eh?
0: Yeah, Shatner by himself, because the big three are gone.
2: What a statement. Scotty gone, McCoy gone. It's only Sulu, uh, Uhura, Kirk, yeah?
0: And uh, yeah. Shatner, yeah.
2: Yeah, Sh- yeah. Shatner, just the three. Just the three of your- them. And In- I guess Ensign Ran is still around.
0: Oh, yeah, but she's had had problems, mm. so... She hasn't been doing the uh, Star Trek circuit for a while.
2: I still but. say I still say Khan was the best
0: movie. Oh yes, everybody admits that. The first not, one, not the second one.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, not the <laughs> yeah. second. I do. I don't accept him as Khan.
1: Do you know? I remember uh, Leonard Nimoy from also, In Search of.
0: Yeah,
2: sure. Yeah, he was great on that.
1: I love that.
0: You yeah. know what he re- uh, got reminded of. Mission Impossible.
2: Mm -hmm. I remember. After
0: after Martin Landau left.
2: That's right. Mm -hmm. They went through a little period of Martin Landau replacing. Martin Landau and Barbara Bain were on there for a period. Yes. That was a good series. I remember an episode of that where Jim Phelps went undercover as the devil, and he had little hooves that smoked. (laughs) And another one where he went undercover as blind, and they actually, the show opened with an operation where they were detaching his retinas, and I thought, damn, that's really, that's what you call job
0: dedication. Yes, it was. You know what show reminded me of Mission Impossible? What? Leverage.
2: No, I never saw that.
0: Timothy Hutton. They play uh, a group of criminals who have decided to use their talents to bamboozle people who have done wrong to other people. Oh, that's good. And it was it's it reminded me exactly of Mission Impossible because they just they didn't know what hit them until they showed the only thing that was different about this in Mission Impossible is that at the end they revealed themselves. We got you. <laughs>
2: uh, and then the Mission Impossible team, they just completely disappeared.
0: They disappeared you just uh, they leave the room when everybody's shooting each other. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. and leaving the 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 Argentinean dictator completely baffled at why everything's going to shit, and there's the team just dun 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 dun. dun.
0: Yep, we're out of here. Was,
2: that was good television,
0: man. Enjoy your mass shooting. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was
2: good television. You know, I went to Darren McGavin's grave this morning, Mike. Oh, because uh, I watched. Uh, I went on a Night Stalker binge last night. And and, uh, I watched three episodes, and I thought, you know what? This show did so much to influence me to love movies and horror movies. Mm -hmm. And I just and it's like two miles down to Hollywood Forever Cemetery. I just went there and stood over Darren McGavin's grave, and I thought, damn, you know, maybe can channel a
0: little bit of his energy.
2: Oh, if I could just be a part of something, anything. That show only lasted one season, but it influenced. Chris Carter and the X-Files, it influenced generations. Of, oh, yeah. If I could just be a part of one thing that would have that kind of influence, I'd be happy.
0: I don't know, Bill. Uh, you got a big influence right now. You, may, know, you may deny it. You may deny it. You may say, oh, you're no, shucks. No, not really. you got a huge influence on the in- indie horror uh, community. I hope it's a good one. I mean, because
2: what Kolchak did for me was, you know, being a weird kid that didn't fit in, he made me feel that there was a place in the world for weird people that don't fit in. And that's really the only reason to make horror films.
0: Oh, yeah. To the indie community, you're
2: Bill Overs Jr.,
0: but to everybody else, you're that weird guy.
2: I'll deal with that. I like that. (laughs) I can Mm -hmm. take
0: that. Aren't you that weird guy? I saw you in this movie and you scared the crap out of me you know <laughs> are you that guy yeah, yeah definitely yeah yeah you're that guy
2: that's that guy <laughs> well it's a pleasure to pleasure to speak to you Mike I didn't mean to I'm glad I had
0: a chance to talk to you
2: all right thank you
0: I'll give you back to Joanne
3: and I'll, I'm sure I'll see you next time you're around and I'm around and whatever
2: absolutely I look forward to it it's been good to talk today thank
1: you
3: well um, it's been great talking to you, what, too.
1: What, the six minutes, you mean? <laughs> yes, I think.
3: <laughs> you know, I thought, I thought this was only supposed to be a half an hour, but um, we're going on and you wonder, a wonder
1: And you wonder why I love Bill so much. <laughs> and you wonder why. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we're on iTunes, by the way, too, and Stitcher, by the way. Oh, great. Scott Geiter and Joanne Thomas Interviews. Catch us on Stitcher! <laughs> iTunes. What
3: the hell is that, anyway?
1: Well,
2: I'd better right. I'd better ring off. Yep. But it's a pleasure, yep. and um, bless you both. Thank you.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank you.
2: I'll talk to you. Bye
3: bye. Bye
1: bye. See you.